Welcome to the Growth Hacking Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Palomino. This podcast is about thought-provoking ideas to scale up and growth hack performing and human-centric work cultures. My guests are experts on mindsets, skills, and science behind work cultures. I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, I have to tell you that I'm super excited about this chapter, this episode with Angela Johnson on activating a culture of agility. Let me frame a little bit the topic. So agility at work means kind of moving strategy, structure, processes, people, technology towards, let's say, a new operating model. And it happens by rebuilding an organization around a little bit of kind of independent, accountable, high-performing teams um, on when we are talking about an agile transformation, many organizations facilitate and discuss about tribes, squad, chapters, scrums. So you name it, there is different names about how you can organize processes and people together in order to go with the speed necessary to be more innovative at work. According to McKinsey, the people that mention, and especially the culture, is the most difficult to get to get right. But I have a couple of questions about that. And that is one of the reasons why I have in invited Angela Johnson, who is like kind of the perfectionist, the, how do you say, like somebody who has been accountable for many years about developing agile teams and agile organizations. She is a book author, and we're going to be discussing quite a lot about her book, uh, the quite inspiring book, by the way, The Scrum Master Files, Secrets Every Coach Should Know. And when we're talking about coach, is agile coaches. She is the founder of a company called Collaborative Leadership Team. She is the chief change officer. She's a certified Scrum trainer and a business agility guide or guru. Um, Angela, so I'm really excited about the topic because it's a topic that is very close to my heart. And I wanted to understand a little bit more about your personal journey. How did you end up working uh, in on agility? What is the story? I, I love people. I, I consider myself a professional people geek. I like working with people. Not so much on, you know, paperwork or, or systems and things like that. So for a long time, I was working as a project manager, primarily in the software space, primarily in IT, information technology. And I, I just didn't like it. It felt like I was checking up on people. It felt like I was, you know, being kind of their adult daycare provider. It didn't feel good. So I consider myself more of a recovered project manager because <laughs> when I learned about Agile and Scrum, for me, it made a lot of common sense. You know, you talk about agility. Well, in project management, we discourage change. In project management, you know, we, we see change as a bad thing. Yeah. Change is inevitable. Ch change happens. It's going to happen whether you try to control it or not. So for me, Agile, more specifically Scrum, just made a lot of sense. And I decided I wanted to work this way. So the rest, as they say, is history. Yes, I you know, worked my way up to become a certified scrum trainer. And in my own practice, we use a lot of the values and principles that we teach other organizations. Well, 
what I, is quite impactful is that you mentioned about that you love people. So we let's think about it. So this, there is an anchoring on the brains of people that agile is something for the tech people. And I still remember this story like when I joined, uh, when I first heard about agile, the agile methodology, it was supposed to be something for tech people. Uh, it wasn't used for any other functions. 12 years ago, I mean, it's quite late, in fact, because when you think mm -hmm. about it, a lot of tech companies started in the 80s. Right. I, I hope that I'm not exaggerating. I think it is the 80s. Um, no, you are correct. 1986, you are correct. Okay, okay. So, and, and it wasn't much about people, but the more we 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 dig about what is agile, uh, it seems to me that it's not about it's not a process. It's almost like a kind of philosophy that is built around around people. What is your take about that? Is it like a way of doing things uh, or is it like a, a process? It is more of a philosophy. That was a great word that you used. I think to answer the first part of what you said, why do people associate this with, with software? Why do they associate it with tech, so to speak? I think it was a mistake on the part, maybe not a mistake, but definitely an intention on the part of the gentleman who wrote the Agile Manifesto. Because if mm -hmm. you read the Agile Manifesto, which was written in 2001, it says Agile Manifesto for software development. Now, out of the 17 people who were there, predominantly they were software developers. That is true. So there was a lot of software influence, but if you read that manifesto, it's really about people. It's about individuals, interactions, customers, users. It's all about people and a little story that some people don't know about how they came up with the name. They argued a lot about what to call it. They were going to call it light mm, way too vague. They were going to call it adaptive software development, but Jim Highsmith, who was present he has a book called Adaptive Software Development, and they thought he would get all the credit. So they yeah. quickly abandoned that idea. There was another gentleman present who was reading a business book, and the business book is called Agile Competitors and Virtual Organizations. Now think about that. Agile Competitors and Virtual Organizations. Even though that book is from the late 90s, early 2000s, it's very relevant to today. I mean, look, you and I, are working virtually here today. We are not face-to-face -face in the same room. And they loved that word, agile, because they thought, hmm, how are we gonna get business people to take us seriously if we're a bunch of software guys? We have to use a business word. So agile is a business word. Mm. So I think you summed it up nicely that it's a philosophy. Now, I think we need to frame a little bit uh, the, the word agility. Um, mm -hmm. What is it in the bigger context of, 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 a, of a corporation? So what does it mean to be to, to implement an agile approach, an agile methodology that is not just for the software development, but it's for everybody? Correct. Because it's more than just having a team that you say, oh, they're using agile or, oh, there's a bunch of teams using Scrum. That's not organization or business agility. Agility, if you think about just the root word there, agile? Can they be nimble? Can they pivot? So in the face of competition, can they adapt? In the face of change, like let's say a global pandemic, 
can they adapt? Can that organization turn on a dime for a dime? Can they pivot? Well, if the answer is yes, that requires that whole organization working together to be able to do that, to be able to adapt instead of working on disparate goals and objectives and pulling in different directions against each other. So the company's ability to pivot really is what business agility is all about. One of the major challenges that people have when you 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 throw out these agile methodologies to say that because we are humans, so we like certainty. We want to know when, how much is it going to cost this implementation of any project that it is business, that is technological or whatsoever. We want to know is going to cost 100 and, and it's going to be finished in eight months. We don't care if somebody is going to use it or not, but at least we have the certain certainty that is going to finish at, at, at a given time with a given budget. So how do we overcome? Like when you they think about agile, they, they're thinking about, oh, we are going to be always iterating, improving the things, so we will not know how to forecast. And the business guy is going, the financial guy, the accounting guy is going to say, what, I cannot do that. I, there is no formula for that. So how can we overcome this challenge, this fear that a lot of organizations have in order to implement? Well, if you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you really look at what you said there, we like certainty. Well, in the project way of doing that, it's not certain because you asked people to guess. We mm -hmm. go up to people and we say, how many hours is this going to take you? And somebody panics and goes, uh, uh, it's going to take <laughs> me 24 hours. That's a guess. When did we decide that commitments were based on guesses? And if we're being really honest, and I know this as a project manager, I would take people's guesses, I would turn it into the finance guy you mentioned, and they would say, no, 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 go reestimate. Go reestimate, why? Because they didn't like the number. You use the word budget. Every company on the planet budgets. Well, budget means set aside, allocated, we know how much money we want to spend. We know how much money we have in the account available to spend. And if a company says that's not true, they have bigger problems to talk about than Agile <laughs> because it's like every company on the planet knows how much money they have. So agility is all about, let's just be honest. How much are you willing to spend? Did you promise a date to a customer? Yes. Okay, what is it? Just tell us, just be honest. And now in smaller chunks, we can see with data, are we going to meet that date? Are we not going to meet that date? Why do we want to know about meeting that date the night before? Nobody likes that, right? And then we tell people stay till midnight, you get this done. Why couldn't we break the work up into smaller chunks, whether you call them sprints or iterations or whatever? And now we have a maximum ability to pivot or to adapt because we know sooner how we're tracking to that date or to those dollars. So once you really get honest about this stuff, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And their fears are just a story they're telling themselves in their head that's not true. That's that's very true. You made me think about approximately in 2003, I remember that I was part of these mega teams that they do for SAP implementations. So the funny thing is that I knew that it was going to cost for that specific business unit approximately a couple of millions. And you have a bunch of SAP consultants uh, running around with their nice, nice ties and with their, <laughs> with their 
German accent. Uh, it was in Switzerland, so they had German accent. Um, <laughs> and funny thing is that the development lasted more than the, uh, the thing that they guessed because there was a lot of users who were complaining. They didn't get what they needed. They got something that it was extrapolated from the head of the head of IT. So who, right. who, who wrote the book? The requirements were approximately 60 pages. And I remember I had to read them. And I, oh. back then I didn't even understand all, all the jargon behind IT. Uh, and so they, they, they got done late. Half of the users were unhappy. It made them stay six months even more because of the amendments. They were making money out of this instead of having checkups, regular checkups with actual right. users to validate if the direction was good. Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't done. I, I I still remember that. So coming back to this idea that um, agile is like a kind of a philosophy, a way of living in organizations. So what I wanted to understand, and, and you mentioned it several times in your book, the Scrum Master Files, that the real value of the agile methodology is in the in the human side, in the human skills mm -hmm. that you can build. Uh, According to your experience, what can we improve in the human side of organizations when we are applying the uh, these agile methodologies? Think about, let's forget about all the tech people and let's think about the human resources, about the finance department, about the purchasing department, the marketeers who are disorganized. What value can they get if they implement agile in terms of building skills? That's a, that's a great question. And it, honestly, it makes me think of a, a, a little bit of a story. When you take the time to sit down with the finance people, when you take the time to sit down with the business people and explain that this is about people first, talking to each other, avoiding problems and pitfalls, they're usually in. What usually alienates people in the finance department or in the business side is thinking that this is an IT thing. And then IT perpetuating that myth by not involving those folks in the conversation. We had a, a workshop where IT wanted me to teach Scrum, but they invited a few of the business people because they just wanted them to hear. Well, yeah. I tell you, halfway through the first day, all hell broke loose because the business people turned to the IP, IT people and said, we get it, we're in, we love this idea, what makes you think you're driving the product, IT? And it was just like, <laughs> discuss, right? Roll up my sleeves and discuss, how can I help? So I think a big mistake is IT trying to tell the business the way things are, when the reality is IT wouldn't exist without the business. Yeah. So in Agile, we talk about business people and developers must work together daily. We're, we're in this together. This is a we thing. This is not a us versus them kind of thing. So if I understand correctly, one of the key skills that you learn in, in through Agile is collaboration. So you absolutely you learn how to empathize with the the guy in accounting, the, to empathize with the purchasing guy, to to understand what is the day to day, what is the what is the pains, the gains that these uh, these people would like to get uh, out of whatever solution is could be a project for improving. I don't know, a process, or it could be simply about how to deliver a service 
inside of the organization because a lot of people mistake that it's all about the cost, the final customer. It might be something that is about improving your internal cost and improving the relationship or the efficiency of processes inside of the orga uh, organization. So collaboration is one. What else would you would you see that what skill is necessary or it gets improved when you have agile? Transparency. So instead of things being hidden, right? Instead of things being operated in silos and people not knowing what's going on, transparency is, is huge. So you're going to learn collaboration, but you're also going to learn about keeping work visible because if work is big and visible, now we have more opportunities to work together, to adapt or to change if something comes up. And another one, in addition to transparency, priority. Have you ever been told it's all priority? Somebody yeah, yeah. says it's all all exactly. priority. Exactly. Well, yeah. They just told you go guess because nothing is priority because the word priority literally means something is prior to something else. So yeah. you get this amazing uh, collaboration and transparency. And now we can come away with priority, an ordered list. So when people are all focused on what is number one, then it what is number two, we get things done as opposed to everybody scrambling in different directions and a little bit of stuff on everything happening, but not really getting done. And what is funny is that in Agile, prioritization, it doesn't mean that the big boss, the CEO, the head of IT, the CIO is going to decide what is a priority. It is that you have like uh, arguments that are more objective in order to decide what is a priority. What brings, mm -hmm. I don't know, it can be decided what brings the biggest value for the company, what brings the right, biggest right. value for the final customer. It is objective. It is not something that uh, I'm the owner of the budget, so you have to obey me. Exactly, exactly. We like to say hippo, highest paid person. <laughs> it is not the hippo, highest paid person's opinion. <laughs> so what what is quite puzzling is that... Um, it is still very difficult to adopt Agile across non-tech uh, non functions. Uh, and, and you have mentioned already that one of the reasons is the disassociation with the tech people. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes business people do not like, <laughs> by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, but is there other reasons why it is so difficult? I mean, on top of the, the human resistance to change, uh, why it is so difficult for marketeers, for instance, to adopt an agile approach? I do think it's the vocabulary. I do think it's the words we use. So not just having the word software plastered all over that agile manifesto. And I encourage people to remove the word software and just say product, or you mentioned marketers, you know, just say service. Right. And it, and it still reads the same. It makes a lot of sense. But I think individually, if you look at the different frameworks that make up agile, there's a lot of vocabulary and it mm. confuses people. You know, so in scrum, I've had CEOs say to me, scrum, is that something on the bottom of my shoe? You know, they don't, they don't like, they don't like the word. And then I say, well, how do you feel about the word agile? Oh, so much better. Can we say pivot? I'm like, you can say whatever you want, you know? So I think we have to do a better job of translating the words. It's like, well, here's, you know, the words in scrum or here's 
the words in extreme programming. But if we can get past those terms and look at the meaning, look at the intent, could you get value in working together as a team? Could you get value in ordering work? You know, and then they always say, yes, common sense. Okay, then just get past the vocabulary. Our own team has success doing that with school teachers. We have um, a wonderful story from a school teacher who is running her classroom with these ideas. And she really embraced the self-organization to let students take control of their own learning. We have somebody who flips houses. You know, he'll buy a, a, a property cheap and then he has a cross-functional team flip the house and sell it. And he's making money doing that. You know, so we have had some successes mm. with people using this outside of software. It just takes somebody, you know, a little more time, I think, to get past the vocabulary and to really get down to what the intention of some of the behaviors are. Uh, talking about vocabulary. So three years ago, maybe three, I don't know. I think three years ago, I I, I heard for the first time the, the, the this acronym of VUCA. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So it became in the mouth of most of the people. So it, it, it seems to me that in today's world, going into an approach that is linear to develop solutions, services, uh, improving processes is like counterintuitive. It's like, right. I want to tell organizations, go and stop teaching people about project management because things are not happening anymore linear uh, in, a, in a linear form. Uh, the evolution of the type of things that are changing, the rapid change of not only technology, the, the, the way we do business, especially with the acceleration because of, of, of the COVID that a lot of companies had to adapt quickly. Mm -hmm. And sadly enough, we were not ready. And it seems to me that applying agile is for me almost like applying an, um, um, a recurrent pattern or, a, or, or applying a principle of how the brain processes change that rapidly can make you automatize in your brain how to embrace this change and live through that. So it's almost like there is a psychological effect in people who are applying Agile in order to be more adaptive. So, and that has an impact on the level of the stress of people because the volatility, mm -hmm. you don't feel it as, as much as the uncertainty of the times, you don't feel it as much if you know that there could be something to be, to be done rapidly on the spot instead of waiting for someone who comes coming from with a solution from the sky. Uh, right. So there is a, a, a necessity for organizations to help or support these process, mental processes of metacognition to learn how to adapt to change. And that could be done through the practice of uh, agile. Correct. What is your take on that? Does it really help or is it me just having a crazy imagination that it can no, I, th I think you're spot on. I don't think it's crazy at all. I think as human beings, you know, this little voice inside our head, it's in the frontal lobe, it's called our ego. It <laughs> makes a lot of stuff up. And in the absence of facts, in the absence of some sort of direction, the ego is going to spin a tall tale. So in uncertain times, wouldn't it be better for a leader just to be honest and embrace with their people? Here's what's happening. I need your help. 
what do you think about this? Right. And then they can be part of the solution. Cause the other thing that people like is giving their input and being heard. And they are so much more likely to follow an idea that's theirs than someone just telling them. Cause then now they, now they feel like the change is imposed on them. And if you think about humans and change, we naturally change. We would never learn to walk. We would never learn to talk. We would never learn to adapt. It's natural. What we resist is change we don't understand. And so uh, organizations have a lot that they can do that's really pretty simple about being transparent and inviting people to be part of the change, as opposed to just waiting, like you say, for some, you know, big boss to tell them what to do, how to do it, when to do it. But if the company's been doing that, let's say the company has been working that way for years. You do what I tell you. Well, they're conditioning people. They now have people conditioned. No, 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 no. You cannot think for yourself. You can only think when I tell you to. So it's going to be this learned helplessness that organizations have to overcome. You know, that if they do decide to change the way they do work, what's going to happen very quickly is a lot of those things that they've done in their past are going to bubble up to the surface and they are going to have to deal with it. They're going to have to take that head on. You are totally right about the specific point about in order to reduce this friction to change, co-creation or the fact that you feel that you are contributing to this change, like being part of one of these tribes, scrum or squads or whatever you want to call it, uh, in order to support the change, this is something that breaks, in fact, the natural resistance that we have for any uh, any change. Also, the other thing that I wanted to comment is you made me think about the conversation that I had a couple of weeks ago. It was in front of some beers uh, with a friend who is working. (laughs) Those are the best. (laughs) It was about transformation and all the stuff. And we ended up talking about certain similarities. And another thing that is uh, is going to be a little bit crazy is certain similarities between the mindfulness principles and agile. In fact, we were discussing about the level of empathy when you say ego. We were talking about yes, we we you learn how to detect the BS that you are giving giving to yourself and saying this is the direction instead of saying hey how do we prioritize altogether this thing that we need to de- uh, to deliver so it's quite a good exercise to generate a little bit of mindfulness at, at work. It is, it is, and the thing I find fascinating about leaders is they think just because they said something, oh I sent an email. Why, yeah. why, why isn't it happening? Okay. First of all, you assume their egos telling themselves a story, right? You assume people read it. You assume people interpreted the information the way you wanted them to. So leaders have to get over themselves a little bit there. They may have to communicate over and over and over. They may have to say things in different mediums, not just email, but maybe in a town hall conversation, maybe they record a message, maybe they broadcast it, but they may have to repeat themselves a number of times before things finally take hold because we can't assume that everybody mystically interpreted the information. So this mindfulness has to be there instead of just follow the linear process because those days are gone. I agree with you on that 100%. Tell me, so if we need to be a little bit more business oriented so we need numbers to improve that this that companies that are more that are using agile are mm-hmm. 
better performers than companies that are, are not using Agile. Do you have any data to back up this or is it something like because we believe in it, uh, we are going to be for it despite that we don't have proof? Well, one, one thing I'll uh, add to what you said, you said companies who are using Agile. So I would say companies who are use, using Agile as intended because there's a lot of fakers out there. <clears throat> there's a lot of people who are throwing around the word Agile, 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 right? They, they say the word, but they aren't actually changing. So companies who are actually using it as intended, we are seeing remarkable results. And there is data. The thing about data <clears throat> is most companies that I work with, when I put data in front of them, they very quickly dismiss it. And they say, that doesn't apply to us because, you know, it's that cognitive dissonance, but yeah. there is undisputed data. I'll give you three quick examples from my own experience. I have a customer who uses this to make foam, the kind of foam that goes in yeah. um, headsets and ear earbuds and stuff like that, they were in danger of closing. They had a product because they sell quite a lot to military uh, customers as well. But several years ago, they were in danger of going out of business because their product was 18 months and the, the quality was so bad, the customer sent it back. They lost all the money on that. So the owner was in dire straits. He's like, I am willing to try this. And even if I have to let people go, you know, people have to get on board or, or leave because we have to do something drastic, getting people to work together as cross-functional teams, cut their production down to 18 weeks, nine sprints. Aye. So he loves showing his Gantt chart from when it was 18 months, you know, and then showing real working product demonstrations every sprint. And now they're, they're doing amazing things. They're just, they're doing amazing things. Danger of closing. Now they got the contract with Apple for their AirPods. <clears throat> Another client of mine didn't so much, uh, like you said, have external facing customer impact, but internal, they lowered costs twofold. So she said that they had gone from, um, $35,000 a year as a cost to not needing a piece of software anymore because of the way they changed people working. She did it again the following year. And her leaders said, what are you doing differently? We didn't let you hire any more people, yet your costs are down and your productivity is up. She's like, all I did is change the way we're doing work. You know, so sure. there's all these little stories like that. Another client of mine went from an eight month production cycle to delivering every two weeks. So there is data whether people will be open to hearing those stories and being inspired by them and making the same changes, that's a different conversation because sometimes leaders will go, well, what do we have in common with a hearing foam company? We're special, <laughs> just like everybody else, right? Every customer says that we're special, just like everybody else. <laughs> Angela, you, you mentioned, and you got me into set about understanding what does it mean companies, consultants using Agile, not the way it is intended? So where, how do they fake it? How, how, how do they bullshit the, the, the system? Yeah. So when in our classes, uh, this just came up, somebody said, well, you aren't talking about user stories and you aren't talking about epics and all this other stuff. And I said, no, because none of that exists in any original 
agile method, you know, and, and user stories were intended to be told the story was intended to be told. And then somebody would capture electronically the acceptance criteria. So now we have a test and we can develop against it and immediately deliver value to our users. I said, so let me guess in your context is someone writing user stories and handing them to somebody who develops. Is that person then handing to somebody who tests? And now you get to the end of the sprint and you have no working product. Yes, that's exactly what's happening. Well, congratulations, you're using several agile methods incorrectly. <laughs> you, just, you just described waterfall behavior with a bunch of agile words slapped all over it, like story and sprint and blah, blah, blah. So they haven't actually changed the way they're doing the work. They're just using a bunch of different words. That happens in a, in a lot of uh, industries, I must yes, say. Yes, it does. <laughs> Especially in, in personal development, I, I hear stories using throwing neuroscience, behavioral science on the, on the, on the mix, and that is just maybe coaching at the best uh, in a disguised manner. Anyways, mm -hmm. that's uh, now I, I get exactly what, what you mean. Um, if... If we needed to start from scratch, the implementation of business agility in, a, in an organization. Uh, now, let me change the, the, the way I formulate the question. So imagine that you are given, the, somebody gives you the, the, the reins of, of, to be the CEO of a, a, a big company in the, in the world. And your first job is to convert this company to, to be a, more agile because they, they have been quite traditional. What would be the first things that you do in the first three months in order to make it become agile, optimized? So here's, here's the short answer and then the longer answer. <clears throat> Why, what, how, who, when? Why, what, how, who, when? Why? <clears throat> Why agile? Because there are other choices on the menu. <clears throat> we don't have to use agile, right? It's a choice. So why, why this change? So based on that answer, let's say that they say to us, well, the competition is killing us. You know, we, we don't get products out the door fast enough. Oh, okay, here's our why. What, what are we already measuring? How do you know that that's true? What are you measuring? It takes us 18 months to get something out the door. We want it less than 18 months. Ah, now we have something to measure. Now we have something to measure. How are we gonna do that? How is work done right now? How are we going to change? And then who is impacted? Who do we need? And then when do we want to start? What I would not do is I would not do that big bang across the organization. I would repeat that pattern. Why, what, how, who, when in small chunks across the organization, because big bang can scare the crap out of people. It's tough. I have leaders who have done it. And in hindsight, every one of them says, I would have gone smaller. I would have started with one product, maybe yeah. our most profitable product or our product that you know was in the most trouble. Then I would add another product. Then I would add another product. Or if it made more sense you know, to do it by department or bring along different chunks of the organization instead of going big bang, I've done that with a client too, where they started in manufacturing and then they added their services. Then they added research and development. Then they did, like you said, all the finance 
you know, and supporting systems and HR and whatnot. But that whole evolution took about three years, but it's lasting. I think mm. if they had gone big bang, they may have scared people and people may have seen it as a fad or a flash in the pan. You're right. In fact, because there is a little bit of pros and cons. So I was thinking that if it is a big bang, then everybody's involved on in the change in one shot. It's not like I'm hearing that procurement is changing, but in my marketing side, everything is fine. It's business as usual. But from the other side, having already like Stories that are good to tell, like, hey, they decrease their their timing for production by 50% or whatever is the number. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be quite inspirational. It can engage people on the change. That, that, that So there is pros and cons of Big Bang. Yes. Everybody is involved in one shot, but it is difficult to manage. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Miscommunication all over. Everything is work in progress. So it is difficult to maintain a good, healthy revenue in that. My in that. favorite executive that did Big Bang, absolute favorite executive who did that. He did it in seven months, just everything. And he says, I ripped the bandaid off really fast. He said the pain got over quickly, but it was painful. And he says he doesn't know that he would go through that kind of pain again. Right. <laughs> so, so the pain got over quickly and everybody got on board, but he said it was painful. It was really painful. Oh. And in, in terms of, so, and I think that, that you mentioned it uh, before is that agile, uh, uh, using the agile methodology to change either processes, internal, uh, giving internal value or external value to customers uh, is one option. So there might be other options in order to make an agile organization to have a culture of agility. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you throw to me a little bit of other options? Because I, to tell you the truth, I learned the way the word agile back 12 years ago, then maybe 11 years ago, lean, uh, mm. not like the lean startup approach, like how do you bring agility to... That, and I think I stopped there and I, I saw a couple of agile developments uh, later on, but that's the only thing that I know. Is there any other ways to, to, to create business agility? Absolutely. And just uh, since you brought up the lean word uh, that, you know, is popularized from the work that Toyota did, you know, the Toyota production system, quite yeah. frankly, a lot of the agile stuff is rooted there as well. Scrum mm -hmm. is totally um, mm -hmm. just another way that they characterize what they saw happening at Toyota, teams of people working together in rugby-like huddles, scrums. Um, but you asked about other completely different ones, Kanban. So mm -hmm. Kanban is uh, not something that was present at the Agile Manifesto in 2001. And in fact, people like to lump Kanban in with Agile, but uh, if you get right down to it, it's a little different. And Kanban doesn't require the radical structure change that some of the agile approaches do with Kanban, there's six properties or they call them rules that you follow to start improving any process. So it's less radical to start with, but it does require, Hey, here's the six things we all agree to follow. And one of them is making work visible. 
visualizing the way we're doing things and then coming up with some sort of mechanism because it doesn't have a sprint. It doesn't have a time box called a sprint or an iteration. So we agree how we want to limit that work. And then we agree to policies and ways to improve and so on. So Kanban is definitely a way that people could engage to bring about agility in any company for sure. Okay. Okay. That's uh, that I, to tell you the truth. And that's a little bit of my ignorance. I, I, I saw Kanban in, in the sense that for me it was almost like a view or a representation of the agile process. Oh, okay. That's how I, I, I got it from my side because I'm not that familiar. So I was involved in certain projects of transformation, but I, I we weren't using really agility. Yeah? I, I can tell you the truth. We were using certain principles of experimentation. This lean startup a la Eric Ries preaching. Uh, yes. That's, that's what we were using back then, but we didn't have a process itself. It was like more the values behind this level of agility that uh, that uh, we needed back then. Um, I don't think you're alone in that because back to the whole, you know, vocabulary thing, people have latched onto the word Kanban um, because it can mean chart on the wall. <clears throat> you know, just make the work visible. Scrum yeah. has different words for that. Scrum would call that a product backlog or a sprint backlog. Well, people have just latched onto the word Kanban. But when you look at the six rules in Kanban, making the work visible is only one step out of six. So a lot of people are not using Kanban as intended either, but uh, if used as intended, it definitely could bring about that business agility. Right, okay, now I get it. Um, so we we discussed uh, uh, one moment about mindfulness. So it's entering a little bit about uh, the, the area of self-development. So, the concepts behind agile can they be used for individual self as an individual self improvement tool like for my own life to live a, a, a my way of life where i am constantly changing an evolution we have added uh, this concept of removing your ego being living a, a life that is more empathetic empathetic uh, can it be used also for our, our personal to self improve ourselves absolutely um Ironically, or maybe not ironically, my Twitter handle is Agile Angela. (laughs) Always, always, always adapting, you know? And if uh, this camera that I'm looking at you through is stationary, so I can't move it. But if you were to see that wall over there, oh my goodness, there is stuff plastered all over that wall. You know, I have my ordered list. I have my to-do list. You were at the top today, of course, because it's the beginning of my day. You know, (laughs) so I I have the things that I need to do. And so it's, uh, also something you can do even in your home, right? Uh, there's a wonderful video on our YouTube channel of my son using this when he was four and a half to get ready in the morning. He had his little post-it notes and he's learning to self-manage, you know, so there's little nuggets, there's little ideas that we can all use in our daily lives just to even bring some order to your day or to give focus to your day. And then when stuff happens, okay evaluate, like you say, right? There's nobody telling you what to do. So you're going to have to weigh the pros and cons of the decisions that are before you and adapt and adapt accordingly. So absolutely, you can use these ideas. I I love this, this approach because, I mean, the major pain for anyone, especially for employees today, is this lack, is this feeling that I'm not in control of my life. 
And I mean, we have little tricks, like, because for me, this is a story about putting post-it or, or something to organize a little bit to prioritize what you have to do is, is, is not a crazy story in the sense that, ah, oh, yeah, this is for tech people because uh, Angela, she is uh, a genius in IT or wh whatever. No, it is about how to have this feeling that you are in control of your life in order to reduce the level of stress of your, of your life, to feel like you that you haven't accomplished enough at work with these small little tricks that you can do in an Excel or you can do in a post-it, you, you have this feeling that, yeah, this is, I, I did something, I moved forward, I accomplished something, I, I, I have control on what is priority today. If I decide that today is about spending time with my daughter, then that's my priority. That's, that's my post-it that I need to move in my Kanban looking pattern. <laughs> Right. Our own team calls it uh, getting our dopamine hit. So we love moving things to done so we can go, woohoo, <laughs> and then the next thing, and then the next thing. Small little chunks, because making progress feels better than, yeah. oh, I didn't get that done. Oh, I didn't get that done. You know, that doesn't feel good. <laughs> Small chunks. And Angela, I have to tell you a, a little secret about me. I stopped doing task lists because that task list that is that doesn't have an ending is not, it doesn't release my dopamine. For me, this is story of <laughs> moving things from to do with my tag to done. That's something that this, what a pleasure to just slide the thing around. Right. Yes. Um, I, I wanted to, 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 to spend a little bit of time on the book that you wrote. So, because I found it quite interesting that even though in principle there is this big association about uh, agility and IT, that suddenly your your book is talking more about humans than mm -hmm. about any IT stuff. So the book is called The Scrum Master Files, Secrets Every Coach Should Know. Why, why did you do that book? And why are you putting the IT people against you? <laughs> I don't know if I'm putting them against me. I wrote that book to help other people like me. When I started working as a scrum master, I had a little bit of a hangover. You know, I call it a, a waterfall hangover or a project management hangover. I was behaving like a project manager. Took me a couple of years to really get it, to really get it. And so we talk a lot about being human. Well, humans learn from our failures. We don't walk perfectly the first time we fall on our butt. And then we say, huh, that didn't really work. I'm going to try something else. So I believe that failure is just first attempt in learning. And I thought, well, why don't I share all of my failures with the struggling coaches and scrum masters out there so they can learn from my stories mm -hmm. and how to avoid being in those pitfalls. So those case studies in that book, I took great care to remove all the names so I can't get sued. Yeah. Can't, can't name any companies, but I, I didn't even put any he, she, you know, it's just, it's just it's... no personal pronouns. <laughs> they, yeah. Um, and by doing that, this wonderful thing has happened where people literally find themselves in the story. I get so many people who say, this has to be about my company. This exact same thing just happened to me. It's like, so they're universal. I think they're universal, but, um, I've had so many people tell me, oh my gosh, I now had things to try. Thank you so much for sharing, you know, your failure and what didn't work <laughs> and then subsequently what did so they can start learning how to be better 
at their job and help the organization that they're serving be better. So I selfishly wrote it uh, for them, right? Anybody who wants to learn from all of my mistakes. But is it only useful for like coaches in on agile or can it be used for, can anyone read it? Anybody can read it. Absolutely. Anybody can read it. If I were managing people, it is going to help people, you know, who have to manage because, because really we're seeing people be more coach than boss. That's kind of the trend out there, right? How can we help? How can we make people better in the spirit of, uh, improvement? Certainly any kind of team coach, you know, yes, my background is scrum, which is one of the agile methods, but there's all kinds of different coaches out there. Project managers may even find it helpful if they find themselves having to mitigate conflict having to facilitate and those kinds of things. So absolutely. Yeah. Angela, so I, I really enjoyed this uh, this episode because I had like 30% was fully learning. The rest, it was half learning. I have heard, but now it's clarified, clear in my mind. Thank you very much for that, Angela. How can people reach you out, where can they find you if they if find you, if they have any questions, if they want to reach out to know a little bit more about your stories, about what you do, how you help organizations, tell me, how can they reach you? Co-leadteam.com. Co-leadteam.com. So I need to, to write it down because I have to write it be below, uh, below this episode. That would be nice. And you mentioned also your Twitter handle, Agile Angela? Yes. Okay, that's something else, something that we will put. And I'm going to put the reference about your book because I think that is going to be interesting. And you said it quite nicely. It is for leaders, anyone, because now it's about, there is this trend about being a coach and we need leaders who are more adaptive to, to change. So I guess that they will find a lot of inspiration. Is uh, I, I think that we should disregard this part that is only for agile coaches. It's for leaders. Yes, Thank yes. you very much, Angela, for your time. It was lovely. I hope that Minnesota becomes a little bit hotter. Uh, <laughs> First day of spring today, baby. First day of spring. We're almost Ooh, there. <laughs> nice. Angela, it was lovely to spend time with you. Thank you. Thank you.